This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everyone. It's Harry here. I'm just walking my dog. It's a lovely day, and I'm just here to tell you about our new sponsor, uh, Manscaped, the best in the business of helping you care for your family jewels. I'll be back with more info halfway through the show, so enjoy it. The transfer window, one club with an enormous transfer kitty, are opening low-level talks amid great speculation for a Spanish ace dub. The new Wes Brown, who could command a 72.4 million fee and elsewhere, another manager is keeping tight-lipped over his transfer priorities, but he's known to be keeping tabs on a certain Portuguese star. Are these real? No, but they, they could be. It's transfer season, although a slightly strange one at that, and this is the language of the transfer window most accurately documented by the great football cliches Twitter account. Welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast once again, as we are talking transfers. What position should United be looking at? Who should the club sign? Who should the club sell? And how do all of those processes work? And yes, we'll talk about Whisper It Quietly, Jaden Sancho, We've held back on all of these themes throughout the season because, to be honest, there's no point constantly talking about hypotheticals. But once a year, or once a transfer window, twice a year, it's the right time to get stuck in and delve into it all. Thanks for listening. As always, this episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the very best in men's below-the-belt grooming. More on that later. But now, Jack, we we better get stuck in. Let's get some some quick-fire stuff out of the way to begin. First of all, which positions do United need to strengthen in? I think more, more than anything... Right wing, centre back, central midfield are the three priorities. And I would say, in terms of non starters, potentially a backup striker and a backup or yeah, starting left back. I think, I think I'd agree on those. Uh, I think right wing and centre back and centre mid are, are definitely the three priorities. And I think left back's an interesting one because Shaw's been in good form and Williams is, is a potential good one. Uh, right back United have Ethan Laird coming up behind Wambasaka. But the striker one's interesting because you've got Igalo until January, so maybe that will be put yeah. on the back burner. But yeah, three priorities, right wing, centre back and centre mid. To be honest, it feels like they've been the priorities for the last four years as well. Yeah. And we just never have like fully fixed them. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of the backup striker as well, you're right about Igalo staying until January. And honestly, for now, on a sort of short-term basis, it, it may also pay for us to look into getting a another backup winger as well, even if we do end up signing a, a starting right wing, because we still really only have Rashford, yeah. Greenwood and Martial as 
sort of our frontline wingers and the drop after that is significant to say the least going down to Dan James or yeah. Juan Mata or Andreas Pereira yeah and so which player Harry if any do you think is the priority for United this summer I, I think Sancho is the obvious one uh, although I, th- I, th- I think the, the speculation around Sancho has been there for so long that it kind of feels it, it just it just feels strange I think Sancho is, is the priority for United from from a uh, the people working at United as fans yeah, I think he's got to be the priority as well. He'd be great to watch. He'd be a, a, a massive improvement on that right wing. And as you say, we haven't had a right wing for, for, for basically a, a decade or probably seven years yeah. since Antonio Valencia was at his peak before Sir Alex Ferguson retired. So yeah, Sancho. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue with Sancho. The signing, it would have everything. It would have someone young, exciting, on the rise who you would expect to improve a lot at United who could come in and yeah. start straight away. And has the added bonus of, of sticking it to, to our noisy neighbours as well, having well, come yeah. through the City Academy and then potentially ending up at United. Yeah, I think if I was going to say anyone other than Sancho, we haven't necessarily been linked to this player that much. Um, I think maybe Khalidu Koulibaly, um, centre-back, Senegalese centre-back, I think would be a great addition for United, yeah. an absolute rock at the back for Napoli. And I think would provide us with you know some really, really good solidity at the yeah. back. As I said, we haven't really been linked to him that much. But he's a centre back that I very much enjoy watching and would love to have at United. Yeah, um, it's one of those, and I think it's been one of the, the quirks of the way that the season has ended. But there actually haven't been that many transfer rumours involving United, yeah. other than Sancho, which is not normal for this time of year. Well, I also think it's one of those where we're we're in a the, the way the transfer market is right now. The only position where there is one player who is quite clearly the best fit for United is the right wing, and that's Jadon Sancho. Whereas yeah. you look, United need a midfielder, but is there one standout player that they need to sign? No. Is there one standout centre-back that they need to sign? No, the same is true there. Um, we're going to talk, obviously, in more detail about Sancho, about different signings, uh, but last quick-fire question. Which players should United sell this summer, Jack? I think, off the top of my head, I'd, I'd go with Lingard, Phil Jones... Uh, and then Sanchez, Alexis Sanchez and Marcus Rojo on permanent deals have obviously both been out on yeah. loan this season. I mean, we've done a good job over the last 12 yeah. months clearing out a lot of the deadwood that we had in our squad. And I think this would pretty much clear the remaining deadwood that we have. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I think for me, the, the, the instant ones are, are Jones and Rojo and Sanchez. Uh, and that is, that's a big weight off the, the wage budget and frees up a, a whole yeah. load of, I mean Sanchez by himself but Jones and Rojo aren't on small wages uh, I think yeah I think it's time for Lingard to move on but he's not if if he did stick around for another year if he was going to play five or ten games then then fine he he's not my number one priority to kind of get rid of whereas Sanchez Rojo and Jones it's like right we need to get rid of these now and I think um, Diogo Dallo is another yeah. one uh, obviously talented young player but hasn't had that many chances at United but he's also never I don't think going to be United's first choice no he's not a, he's certainly not a priority to get rid of but given the current financial situation it may make sense to sell him get a bit of extra transfer budget a bit of extra wage budget and 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 then you've got Ethan Laird coming behind Aaron Wambasaka in that in that right back position anyway but he is a, he's, he's obviously a great squad option but if United needs money, then Diogo Dalo is, is one you could sell. I think with both Dalo and Lingard, it may honestly come down to what's best for the players. So I think, in, especially in terms of Lingard, yeah. I don't hate the idea of, of keeping him for another year, to be honest. But part of my desire to sell him is actually for his own benefit. You know, I, 
as as much as he has been frustrating at times, he's been a great servant to the club. And I think we, as fans, I personally would like to see him go and you know fulfil his career and have you know this is, should these should be his prime years, and he's wasting them on our bench. And I think you know moving yeah. to a club where he would get regular game time might be better what's best for him. But I think honestly, it's yeah. one of those situations where he probably has enough credit in the bank with the club to kind of dictate whether we actively look to, to sell him or yeah. whether we try and keep him for another year. Yeah. Right, let's um let's move on to, to Jaden Sancho. We are we're at the stage of the transfer window where as United fans every year we, we tend to be looking across jealously at our rival. City have signed Ferran Torres on the on the cheap from Valencia, a great player, ridiculously low fee, and, and that's all done. Nathan Ake looks like he'll be following soon from relegated Bournemouth. Chelsea have signed Hakim Ziyech and Timo Werner, two very good players at two very reasonable fees as well. Beyond that, to be fair, it's all speculation. Liverpool are linked with Thiago, but don't seem to have a huge amount of money. Arsenal, let's not bother there. Um, but the the philosophy I'm taking this year is that I'm not too bothered until the end of the transfer window. Of all years, this is a very strange one. Any players signed can't play in this mini Europa League competition. And so my only concern is whether they're ready to play in, in, in mid-September for the start of the Premier League season. And, and with that attitude, I, I think I'm much more relaxed about the whole process. I don't need to be following Twitter and... and replying to every single tweet saying any Sancho news I think I think the other reason why we have to be patient this summer is and try not to get too worked up about you know transfer rumors and how things seem to be going is because potentially for the first time ever and certainly for the first time in a number of years we genuinely have absolutely no idea how much United or other clubs have to spend you know COVID-19 hasn't just delayed the season but it's destroyed revenue streams for every club around the world how is that going to affect transfers? Yeah. Does that give United an advantage because you know we're a big enough and wealthy enough club to be able to withstand this better than most and therefore are still able to go and spend yeah. while others, say Liverpool, Arsenal, aren't able to go and spend? Or are we feeling the consequences of this just as much as everyone else? We honestly just don't know how it's going to affect yeah. everything. The one thing that you might see is sort of a a resetting of the transfer market, which had just ballooned to, I mean, quite astronomical figures in the last few years. And potentially this will make mean that clubs both have less money to spend and are also willing to accept less money for certain players yeah. because they're just so desperate to have any sort of revenue coming in. Uh, but we just don't know how this is going to happen. I think it's going to be so much harder to predict because even if this transfer window goes according to plan I don't expect United to be throwing around 150 200 million pounds yeah I think I think it yeah it's very different and I think United probably are in a uh, a very good position compared to most clubs but the real question is are are selling clubs and I'm going to talk about this a bit later with Borussia Dortmund but are selling clubs going to think this isn't the summer we're going to sell our best player we're going to hold on to him for a year even if he wants to leave we'll hold on to him for a year and next year we'll get a much better transfer fee for him when when things have slightly recovered and that's a there's so many interesting dynamics to this transfer window and and that is certainly one of them um Let's talk Jadon Sancho. The latest on him and United is Dortmund are telling German media that they won't sell him for less than 110 million with 100 million of that up front straight away. But that's what they're telling their media. United, meanwhile, are telling the English media that they won't pay that much up front and they think that they can get him for less money. Um, Daniel Harris, who's been on the podcast a couple of times, claims that United could sign Sancho for 60 million euros up front and a further 60 million in a mixture of installments and add-ons over the next few years. And the German reports also say that Dortmund want the deal done by August the 10th. So 
what's really going on is an absolute massive game of, of public poker in the press. And of course, Manchester United are involved as, as they always are, much to the, uh, to the, the, the frustration of our fan base. Uh, my advice would be forget about it until, until it all really matters. But I think the question is we have to ask with Sancho because there's one question we clearly don't have to answer or ask and that is is Jadon Sancho good enough for United he is is he uh, is he a great player he is but we do have to ask in the current climate is he worth the money that he will cost 100 million euros or more and also how important would he be as a world class right winger for United a team that has lacked a great right winger for many many years now I'll answer the second question first how important would he be I mean, I, I think it's hard to to describe how important he'd be, to be honest. We've we've lacked a, a right winger for as we said before, the best part of a decade really since Valencia played there. Yeah. And we we've just never had anyone who looks comfortable on that right flank. When we've tried so many times to play Rashford or Martial there, it just hasn't worked. They don't look comfortable, they don't look at their best. Despite how well Mason Greenwood played there in the last few weeks of the season, I don't see right wingers where his yeah. future lies, I see it more as a central striker. And although I think it's it's good for him to play there, we still need a frontline right winger. And Jadon Sancho, I mean, the, the talent is undoubted. His goals and assist numbers in the Bundesliga in the last couple of years have been just, I mean, yeah. ridiculous really for, for any player, let alone, what is it, a 21-year-old. Um, and I think, honestly, we need to do all we can to get him in. And I think this comes now to whether he's worth the money I think a big part of that equation is how many years are you going to get out of Jadon Sancho? You know, it's not like we're signing a player who's 27, 28 yeah. in their prime. Say like the Robin Van Persie signing, to, to give one example, you might get three or four years out of and at best. You know, if obviously it, there's so many ifs and buts. It depends if the signing works and Sancho comes in, stays yeah. healthy, whatever. But, you know, best case scenario, you're potentially looking at 10, 12 years of San, Jadon Sancho's best. Yeah. And for well, me, I think that that is very, very much worth potentially up to £110 million. Although I, in the current market, I don't think it's going to take that much. I, I think we could probably get him for less. Yeah. I think I think what's incredible about Sancho is I've, I've, I was doing some notes for this episode and I thought, just thinking, uh, how, how much is he worth to United? And it's, it's obviously a lot. There's no question about that. But then you, you just remind yourself, he's 20 years old. That is, I mean... He's 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 already established as one of the best players in the world, and yeah. I, I don't think there's there's any argument with that. And he's twenty, so we can we can argue about how how, how important he'd be on the right wing, how um how much he'd improve United, but the, the the real thing as a fan, he'd be so good to watch, and he'd make United a, a really ex- it's already an exciting front line, and he'd just exaggerate that even more. He's a great player, he's a likable figure. Um, and there's all of these other factors, like the fact that he'd count as a homegrown player in the Champions League, like the fact that he's mates with with Rashford and from the England squad and, and Lingard as well and other players from the England squad. All of these things, his great stats and whatever, but he would just be a brilliant player to watch. I, th- I, I think everyone just believes that he would fit in at United. And so for when you're talking about a 20-year-old, you're thinking, well kind of just just pay whatever you need to. Now, obviously, the, the, the problem is United have to think, it depends how much United's budget is, because if United have a budget of, let's say, 130, 140 million, which is very possible given the, the current situ- situation and, and climate, then you're thinking, well, if we sign Sancho, then that's almost it. You can probably sign Sancho and one other decent player. So th- there, there's obviously that consideration. 
But you also think, and I think this is a really important one, is United don't have any competition this summer. Barca and Real Madrid's finances, to, to put it mildly, are, are fucked because of the, yeah. the, the recent going-ons in the world. If they weren't already, Barca were already in trouble. Bayern Munich will never pay that much for, for a player. Juventus have never been linked with, with Jadon Sancho. I don't think he'd go and play there. I don't think, to be honest, that they are ever going to be in for him. We could be proved wrong in the next month. Who knows? But United seemingly have no competition. Chelsea have got the attackers they want. City don't look like they're ever going to go in and, and sign Sancho. Liverpool, well, possibly, but it seems like their finances aren't good enough. Whereas if United wait a year, then suddenly you've got all these clubs coming back to the table. So there's 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 so much going on with this, this possible transfer. It's hard to sum it all up, yeah. but... It, yeah, there's, there's so much happening. Well, and the other thing as well is that, as you said, if signing Sancho was to take up basically all of our transfer budget, the consideration then from United has to be, is Sancho worth potentially not getting a new centre-back, not getting a new central midfielder this year? And that is a that is a very tough yeah. decision to make, you know? I mean, I think more more than ever now, this transfer window is a time for creativity and flexibility in the way that we get deals done in terms of how much yeah. gets paid up front, how much gets paid in instalments. I mean, one scenario that I had thought of that I wouldn't particularly like because I think getting Sancho in now is the most important thing. But if if a sticking point for Dortmund is, you know, having him for another season versus, you know, holding out for that 110 million, you know, we've seen clubs in the past, yeah. as Chelsea did with, with Pulisic at Dortmund, you know, buying the player, then loaning him straight back. And it feels like, whether with yeah. Sancho or anyone else, if this feels like the kind of summer where creative deals like that are going to be what's needed to work around, you know, some of this, these financial then, constraints that we have. And if that's the only way to get Dortmund to agree without letting this go on for another summer, and then as you said, let letting the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid come through, if it would then allow Dortmund to accept, say, 60 million and instead of 100 million up front and then free up some money for us to get a player elsewhere, say a centre-back, you know, maybe that is an option that we could explore. I would much rather San- Sancho come in now, and I think that should be the priority. But it is a it is a very hard yeah, decision I for just, United to make. Is buying Sancho worth not buying any other players this summer? Yeah, and uh, look, United's finances are in they're in pretty good condition. They haven't. I think I spoke about this on the podcast last time they released their results, um, which was March. They they're not going up at the rate they used to, and and other clubs are catching up. Nevertheless, United are still in a very good situation. So they yeah I've I've personally I, I wouldn't sign and unless you're getting a massive price cut I wouldn't sign Sancho and, and wait a year for him to come just because I think United clearly won't have that much money if you're then spending it on a player you're not getting for a year especially when United's squad is currently the squad's not starting 11 it, the squad is very weak and there'll be some players leaving anyway I don't think I could justify that. Um, we, we got one question from Avik Sinha um, from Bengaluru in, in India who said, can you give a bit of insight into the process? What goes on in terms of the, the approach, the, these future payment clauses and, and people involved? Why why do these deals take time, basically? And I think the interesting thing is, is why are Borussia Dortmund holding out for so much? And um, it's basically because... They're, if you put yourself in, in the Dortmund perspective, they're asking themselves, what's the value of keeping Jadon Sancho for another year? So I, if we don't sell him now and sell him next summer for 30 million less, is that worth it? Because we'll have a better chance of winning the Bundesliga and the Champions League with it. So that's why the, the massive valuation of 110 million, 120 million is there, even though transfer fees have fallen elsewhere. Because if they think 
if they think him being in the team for another year is worth 20, 30 million, then they may as well hold out for that. Um, and that's also why they've got the deadline of, of August the 10th, apparently, in the in the German media. I, I think, I think to be honest, that, that transfer is not going to be sorted by August the 10th, is it? No, absolutely not. And <laughs> I mean, these things take just, just so much time. There's so many things that have to go into it with, you know, not just deciding the, the total fee, it's about the add-ons, how you're going to distribute that money over a certain length of time. You know, one of the sticking points for Dortmund seems to be how much they're getting up front. Yeah. And as we said, that is probably going to be a massive sticking point in a lot of transfers this summer because clubs are desperate for revenue, but clubs are also desperate not to spend too much all at once at the moment. Yeah. And well, then you it's... have to think, talk about agent fees and, and all that kind of stuff. There's so yeah. much that goes into a transfer and it, it can take so long from even just agreeing the fee before you actually have everything signed yeah, away. But the clubs are so desperate for cash as well. Um, and and this, this I, I noted down, what are United's finances like to answer Vic's question as well? Um, and it, so, so when a club sign a player, um, the accountants do a process called player amortization. So it, they calculate the cost of the player over the course of their contract. So every club does it at, at the top level. So that means the transfer fee, the agent fee and the wages all, all together. Um, and since most contracts are five years, that will be split over five years. So say Jaden Sancho comes in for 100 million euros, um, with wages of 50 million over five years, add on agent fees of 10 million, and you add that all up, that's 160 million euros. This isn't what the real cost would be, but but anyway. So then you split that 160 million over five years, and on the accounting reports, it'd be 160 million divided by five, so 32 million a year for Jaden Sancho would be on United's kind of records. So when clubs are planning that this is this is kind of what they're doing, they normally pay the fee in regular instalments over a couple of years, but sometimes, as Dortmund seem to be doing, clubs will demand cash up front. For United, this this might be a good thing over the summer because they have a pretty large cash balance compared to other clubs. So I checked the last results, the last financial results released in March 2020. United had £90.3 million of cash balances and access to an extra £150 million in cash credit. Um, so obviously that's also needed to respond to what's happened. Um, the the loss of television revenue, the loss of match day revenue, the loss of uh, megastore, museum, all of these things that, that you don't necessarily think about. It's not just people going to games. It's also like these museums, megastore, people having less money to spend, etc. Um, but United do have a lot of cash, so there so should be all right. But there is so much to consider. Uh, we should move on from from Jaden Sancho and, and talk about other players. But Jack, do you think this, this deal is going to be done? <sighs> <laughs> I was very optimistic a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I think this this August 10th deadline that Dortmund seems to have imposed, at least according to reports, and who knows if that really is true, complicates things a lot. Yeah. Because I think it gives us less time to, you know, get the price down in negotiations. I think at the end of the day, we will deem Sancho to be so important and also from a sort of a PR standpoint as well, such a big deal because he's been mooted as coming to United for so long that I think it will get over the line. Yeah, I, th- I think United will pay it in the end. And I think it, I've, I've got no idea what the fee will be, but I think United will end up paying not too much less than what Dortmund are asking for. But I, th- I think it is important to try and get that fee down, especially in, in this climate. Hello everyone, it's me again on my walk. The sun's out, I'm by the pond and I'm here to tell you about our sponsor Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. They offer precision engineer tools for your family jewels and they've just launched in the UK. They've created the greatest ball hair trimmer ever. 
and just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0 in the UK. It's got a cutting edge ceramic blade designed to reduce manscaping accidents, a 90 minute battery and it's water resistant with an LED light to illuminate grooming areas for the most precise trim. It's all premium, the design, the feel, the packaging, it comes looking nice. I've seen it myself, I've used it myself and it makes certain other areas look nice as well. Support the podcast and your balls will thank you. No, not your footballs, but you can get 20% off and free shipping by using our code UTDWeeklyPod P-O-D at the end there at manscaped.com that's UTDWeeklyPod P-O-D there when you get to the checkout by using that code you'll be supporting the podcast to keep putting out the content that we do UTDWeeklyPod use it at manscaped.com back to the show sorry for the interruption and I think I need to go and pick up my dog's poo the other point about Sancho is it's not just that he's a great player but also we we mentioned this on the last episode. If United were to, we were saying that if United to, were to kind of have another small decline now, then you'd kind of expect the best players to leave again in a couple of years when we don't qualify for the Champions League, say, in a couple of years' time. But Sancho coming does show some some ambition and some ambition to, to win trophies, to win the league, to win the Champions League, etc. So then you're thinking that's another factor. It's bringing Jadon Sancho is, is, a, is a sign to players like... Martial, Rashford, Pogba, whoever, um, even Mason Greenwood, that United is is a good place to be at for the next few years, and and that's just come to head. There, there's so many yeah. factors in this. Um, and, right, and the transfer why, window. That was why on. we were saying that you know finishing top four, despite the sort of stigma around celebrating finishing in, in the top four, it, it was so important not just for this season but for our long term future. You know, there, there were yeah. reports that we were not going to pursue Dave Jaden Sancho if we didn't get in the Champions League because of the extra money that we get from that, and it. Yeah, it helps us attract so many better players, which is then huge for just keeping the players that we have now. You know, do you, do you really think, like you said, the likes of Martial, Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba would want to spend the the prime years of their career in a team fighting for the Europa League? We might not be in a in with the chance of winning the Champions League, but being in it, the symbol the symbolic nature of it is huge, and that symbolism also cap- transfers over to the kind of players that we can sign and the kind of players yeah. that we can keep too. Yeah, so Dortmund won that Sancho deal done by August the 10th. That's, that's not going to happen. Um, but the transfer window officially ends on, on October the 5th. Um, so there'll be, I think, about three weeks of, of Premier League action and uh, the other leagues start at the same time on September the 12th, I think. So about three weeks of action before the transfer window closes, like it like it used to be. A lot of time to focus on other players. Um, let's say United signed Sancho on the right wing for an enormous amount of money. And that leaves United without a huge budget for their remaining desires. If I go back to the start of the episode, you said the positions that United needed were right wing, so that that would be Sancho, centre mid and centre back. If 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 I ask now, and this is a question we got from Mark Dowd, he said, don't mention specific players, but argue the case for the one area that needs a signing more than any other and explain your rationale. So let's put Sancho to the side. Let's put right wing to the side. Answer Mark's question. I think pretty easy for me, centre-back. I mean, even throughout our good run of form towards the end of the season, we still look continually shaky at the back. You know, every single game, even even our best performances, you know, think of Bournemouth, Brighton, Villa, we still looked ragged at the back. Even even at Sheffield United, actually, which is probably our most comfortable, even the first couple of minutes before Martial's first goal, you know, they were still coming at us and, and looked dangerous. Yeah. That for me is clearly our, our biggest priority. Honestly, potentially more so than than right wing. I think right wing is only uh, I don't know. such a big deal because I'm not sure. I think look, I think centre back's important, but there's there's no getting away from the fact that United have one of the best defensive records in Europe. And as shaky as we might look, 
we didn't concede against Sheffield United. We didn't concede against all these teams. We kept quite a few clean sheets and, and were it not for a, a string of mistakes from David De Gea, not only might we have more points in the Premier League, but we might also have, have got through in, in the FA Cup as well. So, I mean, that's fair, but we also had a right winger in Mason Greenwood who scored 10 goals at the end of the season. Yeah. So if you want to use the argument of how many clean sheets we kept as a reason why we don't need a centre-back, I could use the same one to say that's why we don't need don't need a right wing. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's fair, but look, the f- defences have rotated much less than, than forward lines, and I think that's always the case. United massively overpaid, overplayed their, their front five yeah. in, in the lockdown period. It, it was a necessity, but they did it. Going into next season when United will have a game probably on average every four days throughout the whole season without any kind of breaks because of how, how rushed the season's going to be, that rotation is is massively neat. I just think, and we said it, United haven't had a proper right winger for so long. Ideally, you'd have a world-class starting right winger, whether it's Sancho or some other mythical character. Then you've got Rashford on the left, that is his position. Martial is a starting striker. But by the end of the season, it wouldn't surprise me if Mason Greenwood is United starting number nine. And then you've got a great situation where you've got four good starting forwards for a forward for a front three. And that, that should be the minimum. Really, you you're you're wanting five great players for your front three. Um, and that should be the minimum because United and uh, United don't have the chance to rest players in the Europa League next season because they're playing in the Champions League. So it won't be like this season where you play Mason Greenwood, Heath Chong, Dan James in in on Thursday nights because you'll have to be playing a great front three on on Wednesday night or Tuesday night as well as on Saturday afternoon. No, that that's all fair. And I, you know, we we've, we've spoken about how terrible our depth is at, in our front line. It is very very poor. But I mean, centre back for me is arguably as important, if not more important, because, sure, we don't have great depth at centre-back either, but we don't have a great starting lineup at centre-back. Yeah. You know, Maguire and Lindelof are, are good. You know, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that they're, they're terrible, but they're not an amazing partnership. We've we've seen that a lot of, a lot of times. And, I, you know, it's all well and good getting some more depth up front. And please don't say this. Don't take this as in. I'm saying we shouldn't sign Sancho. We should. But... I just think centre-back needs to be a big priority because I, I don't think that we are good enough defensively to go to go and win a title. I don't. I know that we haven't didn't concede many goals this season. But, I mean, I don't think anyone will say that watching our, us defensively inspired the, much confidence at all. Yeah. The, the problem I have is is that in, in this summer when we don't know how much money United have. Now, look, they, they could surprise us all and, and come out and spend 250 million quid, but that seems very, very unlikely. You're... you're the centre-back that United need is not another Victor Lindelof or Eric Bailly or Phil Jones or Marcus Rojo. And, and to get a centre-back like that, and there, there are very few of them out there, and Koulibaly is, is probably the only one. Um, there's some who are, are going to be upgrades on, on Victor Lindelof, but there's, they're probably not enough of an upgrade to, to justify spending 50, 60, 70 million. And, and that's, that's my problem. And there's a similar... I have a similar problem with with signing a centre mid, which I think is actually a, a massive priority as well. I don't think there's any point in United signing a midfielder unless they're on a level with Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba and will upgrade the midfield to that extent. So I think this summer it's probably out of the question because of Sancho. And I think United will have to rely on McTominay, Matic and Fred for that that third position in midfield and to rotate with Fernandes and Pogba. And I think that's fair enough for now. But if United were saying, right, we're, we're going to win the league next season, no doubt about it, we're, we're, we're going for the league title next season, then that midfield wouldn't be fine. I don't think United can win a league with the quality of midfield depth that we have now. Um, 
So I think we, we need another third brilliant midfielder. And then those, those can be rotating options. There is the, the, the one player, when I was, I was making notes for this podcast, the one player I thought could be a good signing is, is Mark Rocca at Espanyol. He has a, a 40 million euro release clause, but Espanyol have just been relegated and they will almost certainly accept less. Something like 20 million euros, 25 million euros, which, which is a bargain for... Uh, a 23-year-old, really talented Spanish midfielder. Um, he has got a lot of interest from elsewhere, which could drive the price a bit higher. I think Arsenal, Everton, AC Milan, Atletico Madrid, lots of clubs have been linked. Who knows who are, who are actually interested? United haven't been linked at all. Um, but he, he's a good player who I've watched a few times this season. Um, not a dribbler, but a, a great passer, good vision. He's got the tempo to his game that we've we've talked about with Bruno Fernandes so much that United need midfield, passing at speed. He's decent defensively. Um, he's not the ideal replacement for, for that Matic figure in midfield. Um, but he could slot into that role in, in certain easier games and then he could fill in for Pogba and others. So he's different to both Matic and Pogba but you could kind of replace either of them in certain games, if that makes sense. He'd be a really interesting signing, I think, and not too expensive. But United scouts are paid, uh, well, I was going to say very good money. They're not actually paid that much. Scouts as a, <laughs> scouts as an industry are, are very much underpaid for the work they do. But United's recruitment department are, are paid good money to, to do this. So I'm not going to tell them who to sign. But he'd be an interesting one. But midfield, another winger on loan for cheap I mean, Kingsley Coman on loan would be nice, but unlikely. I think there's all of these, but they all it all comes down to that thing is if United sign Sancho, there isn't much space left. No, there isn't. And this is exactly what we're saying. I think, you know, kind of going back to, to Mark's question about talking about positions without specific players, I think there's, there's an argument to be made about centre-back versus right wing. But if we include specific players, I think the link to Jadon Sancho is so strong that he has to be the priority because yeah, there isn't yeah, really... Fair enough, yeah any centre-back that it seems like we are specifically linked to. I think, you know, if, if it wasn't for such the strong links to Sancho and the very clear need for him and the way that he would fit in our team, maybe we could prioritise centre-back. But I think Sancho has to be, in it, as an individual, has to be the one that we uh, that we go for. And then after that, it really just comes down to, you know, how much money we have there. Because yeah. as we've said, we, we simply don't know. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if we only had sort of 20, 30 million left I think United are in this weird spot at the moment where I don't think really many, probably other other than um, than right wing, we don't really have that because I would say Greenwood isn't a natural right winger. Yeah, there aren't really that many positions where I would say our starting player is bad. You know, in the past we've had sort of glaring holes at many positions. You think of right back at the end of last Valencia, season, Valencia, Ashley Young, all of the yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're in this weird spot where we have a lot of starters who are who are good, but probably not good enough to win a title with or world class. Yeah. And so then it's difficult to, because to you, to really get anywhere to progress, you you need to be spending upwards of £60 million on a player, as we're saying, seeing with Sancho. But then it's, can you afford more than one of those every summer? It's a tough thing to be able to do. Yeah. And, and you know, spending £20, 30 million on a and player it's... is good and there's a chance they'll improve, but they probably won't end up being sort of a world-class talent. And that is kind of what we need at the moment. Yeah, and it's, ex- I mean, Liverpool got there by spending, they spent big on two players, Van Dijk and Alisson, in the, their two major weakness areas. And they spent kind of average amounts on Salah, Mane, Firmino, um, Henderson was a, an old sign. All of these players were kind of, they spent big on two players, where City did what it seems like United have to do, and bought two big players kind of every summer, at every opportunity. Um, they spent a, a load of money on fullbacks, a load of money on centre-backs, 
Um, and even when they were they were winning titles, they spent more on midfielders, on wingers, on attackers. They they seem to have about eight brilliant attacking midfielders at one point. Um, and and United are in this weird, really weird position where because we finished top four, it, it feels for me like I, I don't think we're we're anywhere near good enough to mount a title challenge next season. I think we're we're really far off in terms of squad depth, in terms of. I mean, just in terms of the starting eleven not being as good as Liverpool or City's yet, let alone the squad. And yet, because we finished top four, and because you've got this possibility of Jadon Sancho coming in, and look, he might, he might not, it could all be proved wrong. But because of all of that, you're thinking United are going for the title, but they're not good enough to go for the title. So I think, in a way, you've got to treat next season as you sign Sancho, that's one big signing. You you make sure you finish third, maybe push for second, but it seems unlikely. And I think third would be, I mean, it's, it's uh, frustrating to say, but third would probably be the best United can get next year. Um, you go for that and then next year you bring in another world-class midfielder, another world-class centre-back, whichever one um, you feel you need at the end of that season. So it, it's, it's just this weird kind of situation of, of thoughts where United are both going for the title and not going for the title. Yeah, we are. We It is just a strange sort of gap that we're in you know we we are still a long way off of Liverpool and City and you're right and I don't think we will get that close to them next season I don't see us as genuine title challenges I think our squad needs a cu- another couple of years to mature because we have a, a yeah. lot of young players in our in our squad you know we had the youngest average age of the starting lineup in the Premier League last season which is significant and important so we will get better yeah so we we either need a, another couple of years or, or we need to be spending three, four hundred million pounds, which is obviously not going to happen. Yeah. I think for United the aim has to be to retain third, and that won't be easy to be fair with the signings that Chelsea have made up front if they all come together. Yeah. And I think it's to get closer to Liverpool and City. That is the aim. That the one good thing about how good Liverpool and City have been in the last couple of years is that they can't get much better. You know, it's not as if they were winning the title with eighty five points and then could add another ten or fifteen. You know, Liverpool what they ended up on a hundred points, I think, didn't they? So they they can't really get much better. That is that is our aim. We're never going to get a hundred points, but rather than finishing, what did we end up like thirty odd, thirty four points, thirty five points off of Liverpool? I never checked. I didn't want to think about it. <laughs> well, I think we ended up on like sixty five, something like that. So sixty six, we ended on yeah, and I think so they, we were sixty six. They were ninety nine. Oh, they got ninety nine. Yeah, okay, so thirty three points difference. So. The, the aim for us should be, you know, let's get that gap down to sort of 10, 15 and then go again and make that same leap again in the following year. Obviously, yeah, we want to go into season going for the title, but I think we have to be realistic. This is not a squad that in one summer can go from earning 66 points to 99. It's just not feasible. Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, but you, yeah, it's a strange one, but you, you feel like if you were at United now, you're saying we should be winning the title in the 21-22 season and that 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 should be the 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 aim and the requirement is winning yeah. the title in not next season but the season after and i think and if, which, if you, and, a, and a trophy of some kind next season would be massive as well yeah i th- i said this last time uh, any season without a trophy is is instantly forgettable and no matter if you finish second if you if you lose in the final or whatever you look back in 10 years and you just think what what year was that? And United need to win the Europa League this year, and next year they they need to win one of the FA Cup, League Cup, Champions League is is very unlikely, but they have to win a trophy and get much much closer um, to the title. Any any final thoughts? No, I don't think so. I think it's just uh, I'm both anxious and excited for what the transfer window might bring. It's going to be a 
a transfer window like no other. And honestly, who knows what what every team's going to yeah. look like come was October the 5th. Right, it's time for an update on the academy teams. So they are back training, but they still don't know what level they'll be playing at next year. So United's under-23s team was second in Division 2 of their Premier League 2 season when the season stopped. They did have a game in hand, so they don't know if they'll be promoted or not and are desperately trying to find out and plan their season. They also don't know yet when youth football can resume. Hopefully there'll be some clarity on that within the next week. United enjoyed some success at the Premier League Academy Awards this week. Marcus Rashford was given the 2019-20 Academy Graduate Award for his work on and off the pitch. James Garner won Premier League 2 Goal of the Season. He scored eight goals in 10 appearances, but the award was for his first, a screamer against West Brom. You can watch that on the Academy Man UTD Twitter. The most important award of the night, though, was for Tony Whelan, the Academy Programme Advisor. Whelan is an Academy graduate himself and has worked at the club since the early 90s. He was an Academy graduate in the 60s and then went to play in the US, and I think he played against Pele there in the early 70s. He was given the Eamon Dolan Award for exceptional contribution to coaching. I'd really recommend going and reading his interview with the club website. Just look up Tony Whelan at Manchester United and it'll come up. He really is an incredible individual and has been at the heart of United's academy for three decades now. Every player that comes through that, Rashford, Greenwood, Lingard, McTominay, Pogba, whoever, every player that comes through has in part to thank Tony Whelan for that. Um, now, who could go out on loan this season? There's a few, and uh, maybe we'll we'll review this when we get into the the start of September. But I think the the main one is going to be James Garner. He could go to Swansea, where Steve Cooper, former manager of England's under seventeen team, he's now in charge of Swansea. Garner's been linked with with loads of other clubs, but I think he'll he'll be going on loan to some kind of championship club. Swansea are, are probably the favourites at the moment. Um, Ted Edmengi is another one. This is very much a, a could. I think it's unlikely, to be honest, that he'll go on loan. More likely is another season at the heart of the under-23s and then reassess next year, depending on whether he's had any first-team chances and how his development's going. But uh, Mate Kovar, the under-23s goalkeeper, he's too good for that level now. He will go out on loan this year. I'm, I'm 99% certain. Not sure to what level, I think as high as he can get probably uh, but I think that will probably be League 1 or League 2 when Dean Henderson first went out on loan uh, it's, it's difficult for goalkeepers he first went out to uh, Grimsby Town in League 2 he actually won Dean Henderson Sheffield United Young Player of the Year award recently uh, those, are, those are three interesting ones to look out in terms of loan moves you'd also maybe Dylan Levitt could go out on loan same for Ethan Galbraith in that under 23's midfield uh, Ethan Laird is another one if he's not going to get chances at United then he'll go out on loan but I think he, he'll stay and be given chances by Solskjaer next year especially with Diogo Dallo I think expecting to leave the club and there's a few other potential ones we will revisit this before September um, but I think Kovar and Garner are the two certs to go out on loan for United this year right we're not really going to preview the game against Lyon because basically United just need to not lose 6-0. Uh, the team I would go for actually would be Mate Kovar, who I just mentioned, Ethan Laird, Mengi, Fish, Williams at the back, and then Garner, Levitt and McTominay in midfield, and then Chong, Greenwood and Damani Melo, or maybe Odin Nagalo up front. So basically the under-23s, just have it out, let them play and try and win at Old Trafford against good opposition. Maybe stick a couple of more senior players in there. Uh, the team I said had Williams and McTominay in it and, and possibly Agalo or Damani Melo, but you, you could do a couple more, but definitely have a, a vast majority it should be like the away game in Kazakhstan when 
Man United. Did lose, but got some great experience for players like Deshaun Bernard, Ted and Mengi and, and many others. Um, we will be back very soon. The Europa League games will hopefully be coming thick and fast. United should avoid, you would think, 6-0 or 7-1 defeat by Laskin and thus should progress into the Europa League quarterfinals where we will either play against Copenhagen or the newly crowned Turkish champions, Istanbul Basaksehir. here. The latter are leading 1-0 in their tie so far. This is the furthest they've ever got in the competition, um, but incredibly, they've never won a home leg anyway for competition ties. So we'll see how that goes, but I expect United will be playing the Istanbul side. Remember, this episode was brought to you by Manscaped. To get 20% off and free shipping on their products, just use the code UTDWEEKLYPOD. That's P-O-D at the end there. Use that code at the checkout. Please do. Your balls will thank you, and it helps the podcast to continue, giving you the content that you seem to be enjoying if you're listening this far. We'll be back with a 10-minute review of the last game after that, and then 15-minute reviews of all the Europa League games after that. We'll also discuss any transfer news that comes our way in the meantime. Once the Europa League is finished, I'll be bringing you a special episode on the making of Mason Greenwood. I've spoken to the people who know him well and who have watched him play since he was a kid. It'll be here on the Manchester United weekly podcast once we've won or gone out of the Europa League. Remember, if you want to support the podcast, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or go buy something with our code UTDWEEKLYPOD on Manscaped. Thanks as always for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye. Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.